0: I'm Banning Air, and you're listening to season six of the Afropop Close Up Podcast, where we go beyond the music into politics,
1: religion, history, and culture. In this episode, we go to Egypt
0: with musician, composer, and producer Miguel Merino. We first met Miguel while doing research for our Hip Deep in Egypt series back in 2011. Despite the ups and downs of Egyptian politics since then, Miguel has continued his work there, developing his unique folkloric ensemble, Otak Band. Here's Miguel Marino and Otak Band with The Liars of East Africa. This is Otak Band's concert intro. Six drummers, all carrying the duf, the typical Egyptian or Sudanese frame drum, marching out together onto the stage. This song is called Abshiru. It's a madih. And the madaih are a genre of praise songs and poems to the Prophet Muhammad. This particular one is attributed to the Margani school of Sufism and it was recorded during an open rehearsal this past April, 2021, in Cairo. And this song represents just a drop in the ocean of Egyptian, Nubian, and Sudanese traditions that these very special musicians have grown up steeped in. My name is Miguel Merino, and I'm a drummer, linguist, lyre player, composer, producer from Bloomington, Indiana. I founded Otak Band only months after moving to Egypt in 2009, and I've lived here on and off since then. OTEC Band is a musical ensemble, and it's also the greater cause of preserving, documenting, studying, and building on folkloric traditions that my friends and I are dedicated to. And it's based around an East African lyre, a fascinating instrument into which I hope that this show will provide a glimpse. Since December 2020, I've been in Egypt getting together with these wonderful musicians, and I feel really fortunate and happy to be playing with them as they really represent this new generation that is going to take this wonderful and vast folkloric repertoire and build on it for the future. You may have heard of the Greek lyre, Apollo's lyre, or the lyre from ancient Mesopotamia, Iraq. But the cradle of this instrument is northeastern Africa. Egypt and the Sudan. It's a pharaonic instrument, and lyres are painted on the walls of tombs and temples throughout Egypt and the Sudan. And you can see a couple of them in the Egyptian Museum in Cairo to 3,000 years old. And through the ages, it's come to be played all over the East African region in a truly staggering variety of cultures and traditions. Ethiopia, Eritrea, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, and all around the Red Sea in the Sinai Peninsula Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. It can be called Kisara, Tambur, simsimeya, Krar, Masinkop, and many other names. It's man's oldest, complete musical instrument. Rhythm, harmony, and melody all occur simultaneously simply by the nature of how the instrument is played. And right now, we're hearing a melody and rhythm from one of the world's oldest lyre-playing traditions. This is Ahmad Omheil from the Bija of Eastern Sudan, and we'll hear a little bit more about them in a moment. The lyre could sound like this. Or this. Or this. How about this? It often sounds like this. Can sound like this, or like this. Three examples come from bija music, and the bija are an ethnic group of the ancient kingdom of Kush, and the lyre, called in the bija language masankop or basinkop, is their instrument. Today, the bija mostly live along the Red Sea coast from Marsa Alam in southeast Egypt, down to Port Sudan, and the northwestern part of Eritrea. We could have an entire show on just the bija style of tambour playing. The song we're hearing now is performed by Ahmad Said Abu Amna, a spectacular bija singer and a lyre player, and my original collaborator in OTAK band. I became fascinated by the instrument by listening to him and several other Sudanese musicians who introduced me to the tambour back in 2009, up on the roof of a decrepit hundred-year-old building in downtown Cairo, less than a month after I had moved to Egypt. These musicians called it tambour, and it's been front and center in all my music since then. Ahmed and I released an album back in 2012 called Bijawiya uh, that featured his voice and my approach to arranging solos in the folkloric style. And a couple of years later, 2014, he came to the States for a short tour that also produced a live album of this music. It has a basic shape, the tambour can be built out of just about anything. It has no standard dimensions, and so each instrument, which can be made of skin, of wood, out of a bucket, a turtle shell, a skull, an old oil jerry can you found in the desert, each instrument is a unique piece. It's truly impossible to build two alike, and it's impossible to play it the same way twice for that matter. The original tambura has five strings, but it's been developed to have six, seven, eight, fifteen, twenty-five, and sometimes even more strings. Ojak band has taken various forms over the years. It's had kind of a revolving personnel in the States and in Egypt, right up until this current lineup. And the current lineup features five of the foremost musicians playing Egyptian and Sudanese and Nubian folkloric music today. Aydel Miha, a wonderful singer and drummer, former member of the Nile Project, and has played with a bunch of different groups uh, in Egypt. In the beat section, Rosa, Bondo, and Shams, handling a whole array of hand drums and percussion, and between them, they've performed with just about every big Egyptian and Arab pop star and on the wedding circuit, where so many musicians here cut their teeth. And Walid Abdu, likewise already a fantastic drummer with many groups in Cairo and around Egypt and a monster lyre player.
1: My uh, name is uh, Walid Abdu. I am from Nubian. I started learning music at the age of youth, uh, especially the rhythms. Uh, then I uh, learned the tambour most musical instruments that express uh, the culture of the trips in the south, whose origin go back to the ancient Egypt and also extend their roots and origin back to the south of the African continent. In many various forms uh, uh, names,
0: OTEC Band's goal is twofold. On one side is the mission to document, record, study, and preserve this vast tradition of lyre playing all around East Africa and the Red Sea region we mentioned before. This is a mammoth ethnographic undertaking, and it's going to require probably a lifetime of travel and equipment and resources and funding in order to realize. And so OTEC Band is always seeking the funding and sponsorship to make these research trips happen. But in the meantime, let's hear Adel Mikha singing a verse of Nea
1: <laughs> al
0: Nina is an ancient song, something of an epic poem of the Jafra community of southern Egypt. It's one of my favorite songs, and I love the way Aydil and all the guys sing on this record, our version of it, and I love playing it on the tambour. On the other side, there's us as a band playing new music. For Walid and the guys, the chance to really express themselves through the lens of their cultural and musical inheritance is profoundly meaningful and rewarding. Bundo here says it's a truly wonderful thing. This is the language through which I can communicate with people, other countries and on other continents. People with a different cultural inheritance than mine, I can reach them. What I'm capable of, my culture, my language, my life, I can reach them without sharing a spoken language. I can reach them through my own heritage and everything that has been given to me by my ancestors and my civilization. For me, it's not exactly an explicit desire to take the tradition into the future because I don't come from a lyre playing tradition. And I don't presume to be the guy who would do that. I'm simply a musician who has found in the lyre a vehicle for my own expression, to use the lyre as a complete musical instrument and to see what's possible and therefore I dedicate myself to studying and learning and documenting it as I had done in my entire musical life. Back on that rooftop in 2009, I met another dear friend named Ali al Abedi, And Ali takes his moniker from his origins as an Ababida. The Ababida are cousins of the Jafra, whose ancestral lands stretched all the way to Sinar in central Sudan. Ali didn't live on the roof of that building like the other guys, but he rented a room up there to serve as his workshop and a place for us all to hang out. In the 70s and 80s, Ali had been a backup singer for a Nubian singer Ali Kuban and had sung at every cabaret club in downtown Cairo and the newly built Pyramids Road. He's got so many stories from the heyday of Egyptian music and some of the major events of the last century. He is the strongest proponent of folklore, and here's what he has to say about it.
1: Folklore should be played with the instruments
0: from nature in order to be called real folklore. I'm not going to say that I'm a folk musician and start playing drums and guitar and bass and keyboard and brass instruments. You have to hear folklore in its natural state, or you can't say that it's really folk music. If you combine it with Western or Oriental influences, you can't say it's real folklore. Folklore is only real when it's in the village where it comes from. We have the tambour, the rababa, a kind of fiddle, the the daluka, a type of drum. And the Oud. And the Oud "oud" is as far as we go. Over the years, Ali has pursued his hobby of building instruments from his imagination. And he can do it all. Liars, drums, things with a neck, and however many strings he feels like putting on it. And over all these years, I have been playing his instruments. Each one unique, each one special, and you can hear them all over Bijaweya and the live album. And Dunya al which roughly translates to the world of lovers. And that was the album that we released, Ali and I, an album of uh, his songs that he sung back in the 80s with a full brass section and drums and all those anti-folklore instruments which I rearranged and recorded using these drums and lyres that he had built. I give Ali a great deal of the credit for whatever I may have achieved as a musician, as I've been able to realize much of it using almost exclusively his instruments. West African music has been famous for a long time, from Senegal, Mali, Yusu Undur, Tinariwen, the Diabates, but East African music is by and large not known or much paid attention to on the American or European circuit. You may have seen some pop things come from Egypt or maybe Ethiopia. Moroccan music has something of a presence, but the countries we mentioned before, the Sudan, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, the whole Horn of Africa and these countries have unbelievably rich traditions and cultures, and they all play these lyre and harp instruments. As for the Nubian folklore, the two big names were Hamza Aladdin din and Ali Hassan Kuban, and they did reach the international level. But as far as the contemporary scene of Nubian music, we're not hearing about that at all. And that's why I'm particularly happy to have these guys in the band because, and I'll keep saying it, these guys are the generation that knows its traditions and will build on them. Ali here says, we have a rhythm called Sera, From our area around Aswan, down to Halayeb and Shalatin to Port Sudan, and all the way down to Central Sudan, Sinnar. Walid and I both love collecting a variety of tamburas and developing our sound as a duo and playing off all the different rhythms and sounds that this fantastic rhythm section comes up with. The band is really centered around Walid and me playing all these melodies, sometimes in unison, sometimes in counterpoint, on different instruments, changing tunings on the fly playing in different registers so sometimes he's more in the bass role and i'm doing the strumming rhythm guitar thing playing the lyre as a more as more of a rhythm guitar while including the melody in my pattern which if i was playing by myself would make me the lead player but now with Walid, we have two lyres that while they still play off of each other they lead the band as a unit because that's the whole point for the lyre to be in the lead Walid is developing a slightly different set of techniques on his instruments, which musically is so exciting to have a variety of instruments and their tones, but also different approaches to playing them happening together. And this is not typical in the folklore setting where only one player would usually be playing the lyre and accompanied by some drums. Here we have this shifting and adaptable tambura unit that is handling the melody and the harmony and the backgrounds and creating pads and atmosphere
1: together. <laughs>
0: As a duff and djembe player in OTAK band, and Bundo here only mentions those, but he also plays all the oriental percussion, the rick, tabla, and this is really his specialty. He says, my wish is for these instruments to regain their importance as instruments of this continent and our heritage and culture. This is our original inheritance, and so I really hope that they will play a big role in the music we present in the coming period and really evolve in a big way in the future. And trust me, he's going to have a lot to do with that.
1: Raza is saying here
0: that the instrument, the tambour, is still new to us, it's new to our ear, and we still need some time to let our ear get used to it, because we don't hear it a lot, and that to me is very telling that a Nubian musician is saying this about the folkloric instrument of his community. The Nubians call it kisad, Kisara, Kisir. And this is an instrument that's been around always. And for him to say that we're still getting used to it reinforces the fact that it's been completely taken out of popular music. None of the big pop stars, including the biggest Nubian pop star, Mohamed Munir, in whose band Rosa has played for years, even he doesn't use it in his own music. It was really in the 80s, with the advent of synths and commercial pop music that the tambour started to disappear from commercial music. It appears, as we've said, in all these different folkloric settings around this whole region, and yet it's completely absent from commercial music. Hirtish
1: is the origin of what I belong to because I am native of Nubian and uh, uh, this musical instrument, all of us belong to each other. The role of the orchestra is uh, great extracting and codifying this heritage in its own uh, way. Otak Band is uh, one of the important projects on the various uh, artistic space in Egypt, globally uh, and locally as well. the Otak, she
0: Bundo here says Otak Band is bringing this heritage back from the tambour and the dufuf, these instruments that are on the walls of the temples in Egypt. And so we are beginning to revive them, letting these instruments be seen anew. And this is a great thing we're doing, going back to create a new context for this heritage to some extent, but one that is suited to our current time and place and situation.
1: My aspiration and dreams as a tambour player are um, that there are uh, organizations and people who supported the culture at the heritage. But on my way, I will do the, the necessary work on this musical instrument.
0: This episode features music recorded by Otak Band and Arabic translations by yours Truly. To find out more and support our work, visit patreon.com slash otakband or otakband.com. That's O-T-A-A-K, band. This Afropop close-up was made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. And to keep this series going, it needs your support. Visit afropop.org to make a donation today. Special thanks to Banning Air, engineers Michael Jones and Zubin Hensler. For afropop.org, I'm Miguel Marino.